Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system. Today we're on episode 11 out of 30 and we've got plenty more in the pipeline. Today is all about those Oakland Athletics, the team with the inexplicable elephant mascot, and an intriguing farm. We'll break them all down right here, right now. So Oakland fans, even though you can't watch your A's this year, today I invite you to sit back and enjoy talking about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 11, ladies and gentlemen, and today is all about those Oakland A's. We're breaking down the entire organization's top prospects you need to know. Here today to talk about the A's, he is back after the one-episode hiatus, the Prime Minister of Pitch Movement, Mr. Jake Tillinghast. Jake, welcome back, bud. How's it going, John? Ah, it's doing well, man. Doing well. I, um... I know that you're having a mic issue. It's uh, crackling in your ear at all times. So if you get driven insane at any point and you have to leave the podcast, Drake and I understand. Sounds good. <laughs> Drake, it sounds like, well, actually, you know what? Spoiler alert. The next the next guest on is Drake. My whole intro, my whole welcome back from the episode that we did by ourselves, it's all gone. I already said his name. Drake, man, everybody. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing? <laughs> doing well i'm flustered i'm in a different room today than usual i uh i don't like it i don't like being out of my comfort zone this is uh this is unlike anything i've ever done so you guys are gonna have to help me rein in today all right sounds good <laughs> i had no idea how to answer that there is no answer drake it's just oh, general okay. banter just general okay. conversation <laughs> Oh, Drake, there's no wonder why Jake doesn't want us recording by ourselves, because this is how the podcast goes. But let's get down to it. Today's those Oakland A's. You guys know the drill. We're going to talk on the top five guys, hit the five players that you want to spotlight on the remainder of the top 20, and a couple questions at the end. So the number one guy in the system to start this whole thing off, 60-grade pitcher, Jesus Lizardo. Uh Everything about Lizardo screams future ace to me. A wipeout slider with a 70-grade fastball. A K rate over 30 and a walk rate under five. Even the little advantages, like like being a lefty, are all in his favor. What is there not to like about Lizardo? And and why is he not talked about, you know, in more prospect circles? When it comes to pitchers, everyone knows Mize and Pearson, Sixto, Kopech. And Lizardo's right there with them with that 60 grade. But I think if you ask the average baseball fan outside the Bay Area, no one has a clue he exists. I I think that's just because he plays in Oakland. I mean we have plenty of players in Oakland that are not talked about enough. Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, just two to come to mind. But uh, really, not. there's a lot to like with Lazarda, like you were saying, that uh, high uh, K rate. And he does have a fastball slider combo that has the potential to be elite. And basically, it's amazing that they really got him for uh, reliever Sean Doolittle, if you guys remember that trade. Um. Yeah, I, I definitely think Lazardo gets overlooked as in Oakland for sure. And just probably due to the fact that he's been hurt a few times throughout his career as well. He hasn't had a complete season where he's been completely dominant throughout the minors. So he's had some injuries, concerns, and all that. But when it comes down to the pitch arsenal and command and all that, it's it's elite stuff. He's just right up there with, like you said, right up there with Myers, Pearson, and the rest of them. And you throw in he's, that he's a lefty, and he's right, he's right after uh, Mackenzie Gore for the best lefty in baseball. So... I definitely like the package here. He's going to be a starter long-term. Some people might be concerned about movement in the bullpen, but I don't see any with it, honestly. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the A's best pitchers going forward. 
Uh, tell me about that arsenal, though. I know, I mean, like I said, I know he's got this, the high-end fastball. I know he's got the white belt slider. But, you know, what about all the other things? He's got a changeup that's working to get better. It's actually it's already plus at this point. Um, does he have enough with those three pitches to last, or does he need to improve on that? Um, yeah, he definitely has enough to last. Just looking at his profile from um, this year and last year in the bigs, he's gotten – like you said, the change has definitely been improving. He's gotten a 43% whiff rate last year, only 35 uh, changeup last year, using all of, his, all of his righties. But this year, he's gotten 53% whiff rate on that pitch, and he's used quite a bit more. He's used 96 of them, so he's thrown 104 sliders compared to that. So he's using the pitch a lot more than in the past. So it's nice to see, and it's become a pretty good weapon for him. So the nine sliders still, again, it's still a good pitch. He's getting 44% whiff rate. He's, he has a sinker, so... It's not just a straight fastball. He gets a nice ink on it, though, which he's not going to get a ton of swing and misses on that pitch. But he gets he gets good ground balls, and he's good he good, he's good with command on both sides of the plate, and he's just extremely tough on lefties. And overall, the package is just extremely strong. So his fastball isn't a traditional fastball. His fastball is classified as fastball, but it's actually a sinker. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that's what Savantman's classified. I mean, it gets a good arm side sink, so it looks like a sinker. So it, you're going to classify it as a fastball in the scouting reports and grades and all that. It's just the way it goes. But, yeah, it's... It's classified as a sinker. Nice. That's uh, I, I love a good sinker baller, similar to you know how, how you like a splitter. Uh, just keeping it down in the zone, keeping people swinging low in the dirt, and mix that with his wipeout slider and his you know fifty five grade command. I can see a hundred percent why he is a sixty future value. Uh, I think the one thing that might worry me is his home run rate. It's not quite even at one yet. It's only at point eight, but I still like to keep that down to less than you know half a home run a game. Uh, but that's really the only thing I see that's like a glaring. Ooh, let's work on that. Yeah, he also he also does throw a four seamer. I should throw that in there. He doesn't just not throw a four seamer. He does have one, which gets some decent whiffs on it. But he's majority throwing that sinker this year, and so far he's had good results. So I'm not going to argue with what he's done. So it's looking good. Well, I I like Lazardo's profile as a whole. He's 22. He's already been in the league. This is his second year in majors. He didn't uh, lose his rookie qualifying last year, so he's still technically a prospect here. Uh, but let's look at the next guy on the list. He's another pitcher, but this time he's seven inches taller. He's a monster presence on the mound. AJ Puck is 6'7", 250, and touches 99 on the gun. As another lefty, he also offers a 60-grade slider and two additional pitches, a curve and a changeup, each fine in their own right, but not spectacular. Puck only started 20% of his games last year. Is he destined to be a reliever long-term? As number two in the system, as the number two overall prospect in the system, it feels weird to have a reliever up here. I think, uh, personally, the A's are going to give him every indication that they're going to start him long term. But I do think he does end up in the pen just because of that uh, injury risk. But uh, what I like about AJ Puck, much like Luzardo, is his fastball is very rarely straight. That makes it really hard to barrel up and creates weak contact. Uh, that pairs nicely with his 60-grade slider and his uh, two additional pitches that could turn into plus. But as of right now, I think that A.J. Puck gets every indication to start. Jake, Drake's saying they're going to start him. But last year in, gosh, it looks like every level in the minors he pitched in last year, he only started four games. Why would the A's – is this a common thing to do for pitchers, uh, for organizations for pitchers, to say – we're going to have you as a starter in the long run, but in minors, we're going to treat you as a reliever. That that seems backwards. Uh, last year, I think they just wanted to get him up and into the playoff run, quite honestly, 
when he got it back in healthy. Like, he just kind of came in, and they wanted him as a weapon in the back of the bullpen, kind of that Andrew Miller role, in a way. Just that fastball slider, just kind of devastating from the left side. But um, I think that kind of would answer that question. Everything's kind of pointing towards me, honestly, seeing this guy as a reliever, as he just showed with them. It just fits their model, honestly. Just not fitting their model just straight to the pen, but just finding people that are good in roles and that they're going to excel and be perfect in. And I think that's Puck's role. I, don't, I think he'll have some struggles in the rotation. I think he's going to have some injury concerns, some command concerns. I think everything, all he has just plays up in the pen. If you throw his stuff in the pen, that's one of the better left-handed relievers in baseball, in my opinion, if he's healthy. So I think the A's will see that and make that move because they have enough in the rotation, in my opinion, to make that work. It's not as if Puck's, I mean, Puck's definitely a top-tier prospect, but he's definitely getting up there in age. He's going to be 26 next year. So he is getting up there in a little bit of his age, not concerning, but... I do see him in a bullpen role moving forward. What does that say about the system that a reliever, who a lot of times we talk about how some relievers shouldn't even be in the top 20. You know, oh, you're a reliever profile. We're not even going to put you in the top 20. A reliever in the A's is number two. Does that say more about Puck being an incredible reliever profile or more about, I guess, more about he's just going to be a starter, so we're, we should throw away the thought that he's a reliever? I don't think you – I mean, I think he's a reliever. Does it doesn't does mean – He's not looking at the starters, still. I mean, there's a reason he's ranked two, and he's been ranked up there for a reason. If he was looked at as a reliever for the last four years, he was he would have not been starting the last couple of years as well. He, he didn't pitch in 2018. He came back in 2019. I think they just wanted to rush him up. Coming in the next year, they're going to try to build up that arm strength again, but we'll see where it goes. I don't think it had any effect on his ranking this year, but going into next year, we'll see. But he's going to be a 26-year-old prospect technically still. But the system's pretty bare as we'll kind of get through. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of where I was, my, where my thought process was, was I kind of think it says more about the A's system than anything about Puck, where this guy who we're not sure what his role is, is number two. It's probably not the greatest number two man to have. But let's go on from number two to number three. Uh, and we actually have a backstop that I'm pretty excited about, Sean Murphy. His golden tools are his plus fielding behind the plate and his plus plus arm, gunning down runners all the time. And the bat has turned into a respectable level for him. He already has over 100 plate appearances as a big leader with an SOPS plus of 132, meaning he's 32% better offensively than the average major league catcher. Is this bat profile going to stick? If we're looking at one of the better defensive catchers in the league, who's also this much better offensively than other catchers, then this is an all-star, right? Uh I'm not that high on Murphy. I'll be honest. I think he's on the outside. He has some. He has some injury concerns with his knees. I'm just a little worried about long term. But I'm not too sold on the back. Quite honestly, there's there's a decent bit of swing and miss there. Um, just contact concerns. I'm not sold on the 50 hit tool. Quite honestly, in my opinion, it's more of a 40. I don't know. The the bat's good. I I think the the defense is strong. The framing is not graded out very well at all. It's graded out pretty poorly on it, at least as Savon ratings. But um, he hits the ball hard. I just have concerns long-term the overall profile. I think it'd be just more of that kind of power with the defense and an average hit tool, kind of just like that Mike Zunino role. I don't think he's ever going to kind of move into that middle of the order bat that everyone's probably hoping he turns into. I think he's more going to be that just back of the back of the lineup guy that's going to hit you some power to play some good defense. And in a few years, you might be concerned with the knees, but I just have some concerns long-term. I, I definitely see what you're saying about the hit tool. But I'm wondering if it might be this might be the rare occasion where I overlook the hit tool because of how good he is at getting on base in general. Pretty much every year in the minors, his OBP is roughly 80 to 100 points higher than his batting average. 
So sure, he might only bat 230, 240, but that means his on base is 330, 340. He's getting on base 33% of the time, which is the goal. And I mean, with that plus-plus defense and arm, which I don't think you can disagree with, he has that. It seems like he has the case to be, you know, at least sticking on a major league roster, maybe not the all-star level, but definitely something that the A's should be proud of. Oh, I, I never, I never said he wouldn't be on a major sure. roster. Yeah, he's definitely gonna be on a roster. I mean, Zunino's mm-hmm. been on a roster for seven years, so I mean, there's definitely places. But I'm just not sold. I don't think he's gonna be able to tap into consistent the power that everyone's kind of thinking of this guy. Like with the hit tool kind of a thing. Like he's been in the like he's only been in the league for 128 abs. He's hit six home runs. Nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing great. Just overall, just the whole package is just lighter, in my opinion, than everyone's thinking. I mean, as a catcher, it's not an offensive position. If you can offer, what was it, 132 SOPS plus, you're 32% better offensively than all the other catchers. Yeah, look at uh, Austin Hedges, if you want to look at that for a nice little comp for Murphy. Do you think he's that good defensively? I I do think he is. I mean, you everybody needs an... You think he's that bad with the bat? And I... I don't think that bad with the bat, but personally, but the defense is definitely there. Like, because everyone really needs a, an Austin Hedges type player on their team, much like Sean Murphy can be. So, could we say ten percent less in the field, but ten percent more with the bat? So, is like a a more moderate Austin Hedges? Yeah, that, that's fair. So, like a Zunino. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna try to make this this comp stick, Jake. I get. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's more than just the power of Zunino, though. I think. On base, now, to be fair, I'm not 100% sure of Zunino's OBP, but it looks like Sean Murphy offers a little bit more than just that power. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I'm not sold on it. And is that, I was kind of half-heartedly saying the all-star level talent, but then I started thinking about all the other catchers in the American League, and you got Gary Sanchez, you got uh, Yasmani Grandal, and in the future, you're going to have Adley Rushman, and then it kind of falls off, and there's not that much more catcher-level in the American League that's going to be those guys. So there's a legitimate chance he could be the fourth best catcher in the AL. Hey, uh, John. Sure. Uh, on-base percentage for Zunino was 269. That's his career one. That's his career? Yep. So yeah. far, Sean Murphy's on-base percentage career is, now Grant's only 128 games, but 352. So 70 points higher than Zunino. Oh, Jake, sorry, we're waiting for you to apologize. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to sit here and look up stats you didn't know beforehand, that's fine with me. <laughs> I just, hey, I just, I let Drake do that, man. I'm doing nothing on the side. Let's keep moving down, though. We're torn on Sean Murphy. Let's keep going down to see if we're going to be torn on the next guy. Number four on the list, shortstop Nick Allen. While Allen may never provide home run power, a career slugging percentage just 25 points higher than his OBP, but his defense has been outstanding, and he has a hit tool that's respectable. From a defensive standpoint, he's a future 70 grade, and he's risen his fielding percentage from 92% back in 2017 up to 98% last year. He's even gotten some work in at other positions playing second and third in the Arizona Fall League. His glove's going to let him stick in the majors, but how far will his bat let him, you know, how far will his bat elevate him? Yeah, he's just a defensive first guy, quite honestly. He doesn't have um, much power at all. We have it at 30 power. He's... More than just defensive guy. The comp I have in him is more just a, a Danny Hechevarria. Decent hit tool. At best league average. A defensive guy. Um, good floor. Not a huge ceiling. He's a second base probably in my opinion. Yeah, there's just nothing to really be overly excited about here quite honestly. It really does baffle me the 
the differences in talent levels of so many of these systems. We've had systems in the past that we've talked about here in the last, you know, nine or 10 episodes that when we're at number 20, we're still talking like, oh, you know, this guy has a legitimate shot to be something special X, Y, Z. And here at number four, we're saying not quite special. You know, just if he's, if his comp is a Danny Heshavaria, Heshavaria is famous for being the shortstop that like rebuilding teams are like, well, we don't want to have to pay our shortstop. So we'll just go out and buy Heshavaria for a year as a stopgap. And if that's what Nick Allen is, it's just a future stopgap player on a rebuilding team. Ugh. I mean, there's rooms for defensive players on any roster. There, it just depends, really, like what kind of role he gets into with the team. That's he's just gonna be more of a utility guy. But I don't see him just being like a oh, you're stuck on every trash team in a way. But it just matters. Like I don't think he's gonna be a starter long term due to the just overall package on offense. But it just if he gets on the right team, if he lands somehow on the Royals, a team that values defense and speed and those little aspects more, he might find his way in lineups more. But the A's are a good team for him with that, quite honestly, but I just don't know if there's going to be room for him on this team. Okay. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's why uh, in Arizona Fall League they started playing him at third. I know last year in the minors he was doing second and short, and then AFL they were like, all right, do all the positions, second, short, third. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't throw him in the outfield for a couple of times just to see where he can play because it sounds like he's going to have to be able to contribute a lot more flexibly in the future with, you know, kind of plug in wherever he needs to plug in defensively. Uh, because if that bat doesn't develop the way the way that he wants it to, he needs that defense. Yeah, and it's similar, like I mentioned, it's pretty similar to David Fletcher now. Uh, a little different than Hachivari, I would say. Now he's kind of playing all the other positions, which is nice. And they threw Fifty Fletcher in the outfield too, and this the athleticism and the IQ on defense made it work. So if he can add that to his profile at some point, it'll definitely help his stock in making a team for sure. Sure, yeah. Well, let's move to the next guy. He's another shortstop, this time with some bat. We're talking about Robert Poussin. Like I said, his bat's just so much better. You know, we're looking at a future 50 hit, a future 50 power. He still offers something in the field. He's not a slouch in the field. He's a 60 field with a 60 arm. He's only 17, but he certainly has the tools and the potential to be a quality big leaguer. What does his major league future look like? I personally think with, uh, how do you say it, Poussin? Poussin? Right? We're going to call him Robert. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> All right. So, personally, the Robert, um, I think he hits uh, about two, 280, 290. I don't think that he's going to really hit for, like, uh, have a good on base percentage because he, he does have really bad play discipline. But I know he is 17, so I will give him a little credit there. Um, but I think he will slug for a lot and still hit 20. Maybe 15, 20 home run power, but something that he that I personally don't like about him is he does have that big leg kick, and not a lot of guys come up and they have success with that type of leg kick going forward. Much like I'm lower on a guy that's in the major leagues right now, Luis Urias, because of that. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm I'm having my hopes up for Robert. <laughs> now, uh, Jake, I'm curious what you feel, what you think on him, because we have him. Prospects Worldwide has him as the fifth best prospect in the system, but we're short on Nick Allen at four, who's the same shortstop. Is are we lower on on uh, Pusan than Allen because he's just so young and we just don't know? I, I'm personally, I, I spoke with a writer who who made the the ranks on these, and he he pretty much just had the floor of Allen being safer, so he wanted to have the rain there, but. Okay. 
He likes Poussin's uh, potential better, which I do too. It's pretty clear in my opinion. This He'll be their number one prospect. I don't think there's even a question, quite honestly. Lozardo's gone. Murphy's gone. Nick Allen is not number one prospect worthy in any system, sadly enough. Poussin has that potential. Kind of that same kind of prospect rise-ish that like Ronnie Mariso had for the uh, for the Mets, and especially in the system. There's no one really stopping him from rising to the top. And Mariso took two years to get to the top of the system. It could take Poussin literally no time in the minor leagues, and he's there. And the only real person I see that's kind of arguing that is Puck, if he's on the list still. And then the next guy we get to is Soderstrom. And, mm-hmm. But Poussin, the comp right away, I mean, it's pretty similar to a guy, like I mentioned, is Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, I think he has more power potential than Mauricio has showed in the minors. Mauricio has been one of the lead, lower just power producers in the minor just just with the exit velocities and all, he just hasn't really shown that yet. I think Busan will be a little stronger in that category early on. I've been seeing some videos on his Instagram. He's been posting quite a bit of him working out lately. I think I think he's back home. I'm not honestly sure where he is, but yeah, uh, he's adding some weight. He's putting on some good muscle, and we have him as a plus fielder, plus arm. If the bat ever comes around, you're legitimately looking at a top 20 prospect in the game. If the tools match up, you're going to be talking about this kid for a long time, and we could probably see his, he's so young, it's possible we see this kid at 2021 20, in the majors. He could move quickly. It's not that he's advanced. It's just that the feeling's good. If the back can show well, as I've seen, I'm pretty high on it. So I have faith he'll be able to show it. As Drake said, the plate just spins a little, a little touchy, but I think that'll kind of grow on him as he kind of gets into pro ball and gets pro coaching and all. But it is something to be a little bit concerned about right now. But overall, I'm pretty excited about see what Poussin can do. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that he's gaining weight. Because, you know, he's listed currently as 6'3", 165, and that is, you know, look at it the wrong way and he falls over. If he puts on a little bit more weight, that 50 power, you know, he's a 60 raw power, 50 game power. Do you think he could grow even more power if he starts putting on that bulk and really framing out that 6'3"? Yeah, he at his best, he could probably grow into 55 power. I'd probably have to have it like a 50 plus right now just for that for that potential. But overall, yeah, I as of right now, I'll give it to him. I, th- I think the tools match up, and I think the, the athleticism and just everything and just the projectability matches up. I would probably have him as a 55 power right now and see where it goes, but I totally understand the 50. But, I mean, if you look at that profile, that's, like I said, that's going to be one of the better prospects in the game. If all sure. we need to see this guy, he's got just reps, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, he was the second-best international guy behind Jason Dominguez, and he was the super-hype New York Yankee, and everyone thinks he's you know the future... Mike Trout, the future Mickey Mantle. And if this guy's the second best behind him, he's going to be good. Yeah, I just remembered. I th- I'm pretty sure he's on the 60-man roster. Um, and I just looked it up, and he is on the 60-man. So I apologize for saying he was possibly back home. He's definitely with the athletic 60-man roster at their alternate site and getting reps, as is the next guy we're talking about, Sider Tyler Soderstrom. Good to see those young kids getting reps, even though they're missing the time this year in the short season. Yeah. Well, Jake, Drake, we're going to talk about that next guy soon. We got Tyler Soderstrom on the book soon. But in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break to listen to an ad from one of our sponsors. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G-R-A-N-D-E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. 
like Jake promised, we have Tyler Sodestrom coming up next. He is the very first of our spotlight guys for the Oakland A's. We've got 6 through 20. Tyler Sodestrom comes in at number 6. He's certainly a bat-first catcher. And I've said it before on the pod, he reminds me of Josh Donaldson. He's drafted as a heavy bat who knows how to catch. He's likely going to fall to third base or somewhere else. Uh, we have a 45 fielding grade on him right now. I presume that's a catching grade. Where do you see him grade out if he has to go to other positions? So uh, Tyler Soderstrom, I basically I think that he fills out more as a third baseman going forward. I don't know what Jake thinks, uh, but I definitely see him, especially with the the arm strength that he has. But little versatility isn't uh, bad for your number six prospect in the system. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a catcher long term, quite honestly. Um, the framing is not that good. Just the actions behind the plate, they're okay, but not long, not what you want long term, quite honestly. He looked fine at third base in some reps he's shown on the uh, on Twitter. He's posted some stuff, but it's been it's been okay. It's definitely raw. It's definitely athletic, but again, it's raw. So I want to see some game actions before I really give him a grade. Yeah. But just based on the athleticism and stuff. I would definitely give him a better than a 45. I'll just slap a 50 on it. Right now, it's pretty lazy, honestly, but <laughs> I can't really grade it without seeing it in-game. Um, just based on the athleticism in the arm, I think he can last a third. I do think he actually is a better fit in the outfield, uh, just with the overall just athleticism and just the arm will play good, and just overall the bat's going to play fine wherever you put him. I think he landed in a perfect situation with the A's. I mean, we've talked about it on the draft pod as well, but the A's are going to be running wild with uh, with Soderstrom, they can use him all over the field. And like I mentioned before, uh, Murphy's knees aren't the best. I don't know what their situation will be like when Soderstrom's ready to contribute in three, four years or whatever. But if Murphy's still in the situation and his knees are giving them some trouble, maybe Soderstrom's able to give them in a game or two behind the plate a week, and that can ease the pain on Murphy. Or we're just going to see Soderstrom lock, or lock in a third left or right and middle or middle of the order bat he was in my opinion one of the better prep bats in the, in the uh class last year other than zach bean and robert Assel. quite honestly he was he's pretty advanced for a bat in the catcher position that's a kind of another reason why you don't want him to stick a catcher it's going to take him just too long to kind of grasp the position it's going to slow his bat down his bat's ready to advance quickly so you find a spot for him in the field see where he can lat or see where he can land at third left or right and wherever the best is you stick him and you let the bat play and you get happy because you made a good draft pick. It helps him develop at, at third if he does have to do that position because the best defensive third baseman in the game is Matt Chapman for the A's. So if anyone can teach him how to play defense with his athleticism, it'll be Matt Chapman. Yeah, of course. And I mean, if, and if they sign Matt Chapman long-term there, he's also never going to play third base. <laughs> so well, he, could, he, could, he could sub in like he's doing with Sean Murphy behind the plate. He could help out, you know, Ramon Laureano in the outfield. There's places he could sub in. I, don't, I think you want this is a guy you don't want to be moving around all the time. You want to just keep his head clear, keep his bat mind focused, and trying to make his way in the lineup. I don't think he's going to need that. Obviously, it's going to be useful. They'll probably use it at times. But overall, I think he lost it in that position. With uh, Soderstrom, it was actually pretty surprising to me how much he dropped in the draft. I mean, I had him, uh, I think, top 15. And when did, uh, when did he go? Does anybody like have the actual number? Uh, early 20s, I think. He was like 23, 24. Hold on. Because a lot of the guys taken, like he, I feel he's a lot better than them, especially but with what Jake was describing. I, I thought he was one of the best catchers on the board. I know that the defensive, basically, mystery with Solderstrom is a little bit of a red flag for any team. So 
it is a little understandable. Sure. Yeah, there was talk that the that the, uh, the Giants were going to take him out. I think 13 is where the Giants were selecting. I'm pretty sure. There was talk they were going to take him. They were looking at local talent. Um, what's the freaking GM's name? Farbion? Fabian? Farhan Zadi. Um, yeah, Farhan Zadi was saying they were looking at uh, local talent. So everyone's kind of thinking they were going to go to Soderstrom. And we were pretty close. They took a catcher. They just didn't take Soderstrom. They took uh, Bailey out of NC State. But... Yeah, uh, I definitely thought Soderstrom would go a little earlier, too. I think it was probably down to the athleticism a little bit. And then in a draft like this, where there was a lot of just question marks, a lot of teams just focus on those uh, college bats or college arms early in the draft to lock in a for sure something they knew was safe in a way, even though I think Soderstrom's a pretty safe pick earlier. I think he's going to be neck and neck with Poussin for the number one prospect in the system. And a lot of us aren't going to get looks at them because they're at the alternate sites this year. All I can really look at is what I'm seeing on Instagram for him. And I don't see anything on Instagram for Soderstrom, unluckily. So I'm going to have to take what I can with them. And those two guys are going to be neck and neck for one, two in the system. And obviously AJ Puck will be right there with his talent, but it's tough for me to put him above these talents if they show yeah. well. Well, two things. First off, he was the 26th pick. I was off by two or three picks. Uh, second, we've talked a lot about the field. We've talked about a lot about you know, where he's going to spot, where he's going to spot. I think the overarching factor here is it doesn't matter because that bat's going to play. That bat is very good. Yeah, it's it's really good. The approach is one of the better approaches just overall from the prep class. It was him and Hassel, in my opinion, that have the best just of pure approaches at the plate. And I would give it to Hassel, but if you're going to take that from a catcher or someone you even look at as a catcher, that's pretty exciting. But, yeah, he's he's definitely one of the more exciting prospects right now in the system. Mm-hmm. Well, let's keep moving down the board. We went from six, now down to eight. We've got outfielder uh, Brian or Brayon Buelvas. Uh, he's a very intriguing prospect, regardless of if I can pronounce the name or not. As one of the youngest players in the system, he essentially slashed 300, 400, 500 last year in rookie ball. He was a few points away on either side of that. But that's always the keystone line that people always look for. And he did that while also flashing plus speed and defense. His future values are all hovering at around 55 or 60, but his power is down to 45. And that worries me if he's going to be classified as a corner outfielder because those corners, you need power. Does he have enough in his game to play center so he can kind of get away with not having that power? Uh, for now, he's got he's got good speed, he's got good fielding, he's got good arm, he's got good instincts out there. I wouldn't say he's going to be a top-flight center fielder at best in the left field position just with that power. The power's not terrible, but I mean, this overall profile, quite honestly, is really exciting. All the tools you would think are a center fielder, and if this guy could be a center fielder, he could be one of the better prospects in the game, quite honestly. I mean, a 60-hit tool with strong defense, strong arm. He just puts on some weight. I think we're going to see some more power come from him. Overall, I think he's, again, he's one of the more high-profile guys in the system. He's kind of underrated right now. It's another Oakland guy that no one really kind of knows about or talks about. But next year, as these guys kind of graduate, he'll be a top-five guy, and he'll be more talked about next year. And I'm pretty excited to kind of dive more into him, quite honestly. I haven't dove a ton into him in the last year or so, but as I kind of look more into him, he's, he's a pretty exciting player. Yeah. I mean, if I'm doing roster construction, the the number, the three things that I want most in my team is a dependable backstop, which it looks like you got Sean Murphy and or Tyler Soderstrom. I want a athletic shortstop, which you've got Poussin, and then I want an athletic center fielder. And that's what we've got here on Boelvoss. So you've got three of the like key cornerstones to a future team all here in your in your prospect list. I like the looks of what they're building. Drake, what do you have on on Buavas? Now, 
I might be jumping the gun on a bit on a Buelvis. Did I say that right? I, I hope so. When I was watching it, when I was watching video of him, he reminded me a lot of Juan Soto with his uh, swing mechanics. Is that a little too much? Hey, it's your it's your guts, man. Okay. With <laughs> just mechanics. Yeah, with the <laughs> swing mechanics. Maybe not his play, but those swing mechanics. So if he can develop kind of like Juan Soto, like or kind of like Juan Soto did, I mean the Athletics have something good there with uh, Buelvis. I mean, we're probably never going to see the power that Soto offers, right? I mean, just yeah, in whatever two podcasts ago, Soto hit a 466 foot bomb to end the podcast. I think we'd be lucky to get 15 home runs out of Buelvas in a year. Yeah, yeah. It just the swing mechanics look insanely similar. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they've got an electric farm system building with a couple of these guys, and it more than makes up for the lackluster Nick Allens of the world. Uh, and Nick Allen, I apologize if you're listening. That was mean of me. <laughs> let's move away from number eight to number nine. We've got Dalton Jeffries. And this guy's got all the tools necessary to be a big league arm. He's got three above average pitches with 60 grade command, but injuries and Tommy John have just stifled his development. From 2016 to 2018, he only pitched in 20 innings. Then last year, he racked up 78. And he made the most of them with a 30% K rate and a 3% walk rate. If the injuries are finally behind him, what type of pitcher will Jeffries be? I think he's a good solid back of the rotation guy. If, if he can keep that health, quite honestly, I think that's a big question mark, as you mm-hmm. said. But he's got legitimate plus command. He's got a legit plus changeup. The fastball is a 50. It's nothing to really get you. It's a 90-92 pitch. It plays up a little bit. It touches 94, but... It's not going to get you a ton of swing and misses. It's just kind of a average fastball. I mean, it's a 50 for a reason. But the slider, again, it's another 50 pitch. Um, in my opinion, it's probably his third pitch. So the changeup definitely is bread and butter. It's his go-to. He's good, at, he's good with it versus lefties versus righties. He'll use it at really, really any count, quite honestly. He has command of it. Again, he has command of that fastball. So it plays up in times because he can spot it where he needs to. Just again, he's not going to really pop off the map and show up as a number two, number three starter or anything. He's a number four, number five guy. And I think that is his floor and as well as his ceiling, quite honestly. I don't think he has much more in there. At worst, he's going to be he's gonna be in the bullpen and just be a multi-inning guy. But I do think he's a uh, back of the uh, rotation guy. I definitely think he has this stuff. Jacob? All right, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, so uh, with Jeffries, I do think that he's in the bullpen long term. Just based on that injury history, like I, I always like to point on about a guy. But I think that we could see a situation because the athletics are actually pretty decent at developing pitching that we could see basically like a Liam Hendricks situation with how much he changed and how much swing and miss we could see from him. That's just what I think per, uh, personally going forward. And uh, basically, I do think that he's going to become a solid bullpen arm going forward. I just don't see him in the rotation. I think that 3% walk rate is just the biggest green light that just says, put this guy in the major league roster because it, it may be more like a Tom Eshelman type where he's just, he might not get all the sexiness on the mound, but that ball is going to go over the plate and he will control it properly. And obviously Eshelman's not elite, but he's a starter for a team. And you're right. I think he could be, I think uh, uh, Jeffries could be a four or five starter for a team. Maybe that four or five starter slash long reliever, like you were talking about, Jake. Yeah, I think that's probably likely his role. There's definitely some concerns, as Drake said, with the injuries. But 
Yeah, I definitely think he has some some potential in the back end of the rotation for sure. Okay. Well, let's keep moving down. The next man on your spotlight is the young outfielder Marcus Smith. He's slotting in at number 16, and he's only 19 years old. He, he managed to get a 360 batting average in rookie ball and was 100 points higher with his OBP. The power was not there. He had zero home runs and only a 35 future power, but he does grade out with 70 speed instead. With a plus hit tool and all that speed, is he going to be able to crack a major league roster maybe as a fourth outfielder or something? Yeah, I mean, there's some potential there. He's definitely that speed contact kind of profile. I definitely think as a guy we can actually see rides a little bit. Again, he's not going to be flashy. He's just going to be that kind of Malik Smith role in a way. He's a little better better arm. He's, he's going to strike out a bit. He's inside-out hitter. I mean, he's hit the ball 50% of the time the opposite field last year. He's just, outside, he's just kind of that guy that's going to be he's kind of a slap hitter running out of the box already. He's hitting the ball, trying to get down the line as fast as possible, infield singles. I mean, he's just going to be one of those guys that just finds a way on base due to the speed and just due to the just – Kind of the profile of the play, that's just kind of what he's looking for. He's not going to really drive the ball. I'd be shocked if we get more than, quite honestly, five home runs in any season from this guy. Uh, I do think the head tool is nice. There's potential as we have it at 55. I think there's even more potential to grow into more. Um, he likely will settle in as at 55. But if he can if he can do that, there's definitely some, some potential to be a starter here, in my opinion. I mean, I think there is more potential than a Malik Smith type. I think he could be... A starting center fielder, I think he can be a leadoff type. I definitely think there's some potential here. All right, so with Marcus Smith, I just see him more like a Gerard Dyson. Like Malik Smith is very, it's a very good comp, but uh, Gerard Dyson or like a Terrence Gore, like he definitely has the potential, and that speed is really nice, especially at top of the order bat. Uh, but uh, going forward, I do he might struggle to have consistent uh, contact, but. I do think he is young enough to where he will gain experience and basically get a top of the lineup spot for the athletics going forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm concerned in his future because we keep giving Malik Smith or Jared Dyson or these super elite base stealing comps to him because he does have that 70 run. He does have that speed that is, you know, as elite as it gets, he in rookie ball last year, had 55 opportunities to steal a base. He had 35 hits, 20 walks, and that so he got on base 55 times. One stolen base. He just has to become more aggressive than that. And he has one caught stealing, so he's 50% success rate. Uh, more aggressive is going to actually get him those stolen base totals to get him noticed. I'm sure they don't need the totals to understand he's a good base runner, but one stolen base is not going to cut it. And... You just got to get more aggressive out there, young buck. But let's go to the final spotlight guy. It's the one that, honestly, I can't really get too much into. If you've listened to the pod long enough, you know that I want to hit Tool more than anything, first and foremost. At number 18 on this list, we've got Lazaro Armenteros, and he has power with 17 homers and 44 extra base hits last year. He's got speed with 42 stolen bases in his three years in the minors, and he has no hit tool. A future hit of 30 and a recent 222 batting average with a 42% K rate. I mean, overall, his athleticism's intriguing, sure, but with a hit tool like that, where do you guys see Armenteros in the next, you know, three, four, five years? Trying to find his way in the Double A. <laughs> Still okay. Um, yeah, he'll be in Double A. Probably okay. I try to try to try to find his way in the Triple A or the majors because I don't know if he's. He's definitely got to find a way to hit the ball. He's already 21 right now, so three, four, five years is putting him 24, 25, 26. 
So at that point, if you're still in double A, hoping. Okay, let, let me reset this. How many years did you say? It doesn't matter. Yeah, three, four, five, whatever. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a long time. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you said like a year or two. Um, yeah, like he'll definitely be trying to get on the roster. Then I don't think he's going to be able to crack a roster, quite honestly. I mean, if you're K-ing at 42% of the time, it's pretty hard to justify you getting even on a roster, quite honestly. I mean, if you're. If you're striking out 42% of the time against high A arms and you're 21, you're at the level you should be at or you should be at a higher level and you're struggling that poorly, I have trouble thinking you're going to improve moving up against better arms. And then as you get into the major leagues facing the best arms in the world night after night, I don't see how you improve in that aspect. When you haven't shown any aspect of improving, you've actually only shown ways of getting worse. I don't know. I'm definitely turned off by Lazaro. I was definitely excited about him when he signed with the A's. I am definitely out now. Um, it's just one of those guys that has tools and you think can be exciting and be productive, but then you actually look at the stats, you watch him play, and you realize there's there's not a ton here. I mean, he's a poor not, he's not a poor fielder. He's a below average fielder. He's got a 40 arm. He's got a below average arm. Again, he's got good speed, but that speed's only useful in the base pass as times that he's able to get on, and that's bare minimum. But he does he does get high base stolen base totals. That'll drop as he raises the ranks. Um, the power it'll play, but again that hit tool's not going to play. So I have the power honestly at a 50. I think the 55 might be a little rich with that hit tool being so poor. And yeah, I mean I'm just kind of out on Lazaro quite honestly. As bad as it sucks, I was super excited, but I'm just I'm out now. He reminds me a lot of you guys both know I'm doing the Twins top 20 right now. Uh, twin shortstop prospect. Uh, I know it's two different positions, but Wander Javier. Both are 21 years old and both have a 30 plus. Well, actually, Wander Javier has a 33% uh, K rate. And what did you say uh, Armenteros had? 42? Armenteros is at 43. 43, which is. Yeah, yeah, 42 this year. Last year he was at. Uh, 33. So they were similar last year, but this last year, he, or 2018, they were similar. 2019, he took a big step forward yeah. and stepped up at 42. percent Yeah, that's you just you, you can't really have that. I know that both of them are 21. Uh, twins ranks are going to be coming out soon. I'm just going to plug that really quick. But uh, Armenteros, yeah, I just I I agree with Jake. I'm kind of off of him as well. It's funny that uh, by the time that you you all are going to listen to this podcast. All of this will be edited, and what I'm about to say will be changed on the on the website. But currently on the website as it stands, there's a typo. And the batting average for Lazaro Armenteros is 22. Not 222 like it's supposed to be. It is 22. And that seems a very apropos of this hit tool, a 22 batting average. Um, now, you did mention the stolen base uh, ability that he has. And, you know, hearkening back to the last guy, Marcus Smith, he has all the speed in the world and he doesn't use it. With Armenteros, I looked up the leaderboards. So I took all the times that a guy can get on base. So hits, walks, hit by pitch, all that. And then I just looked at his stolen bases compared to that. If you look at that, he would have been in the top 12 in the big leagues with the likes of Trey Turner, Malik Smith, Jonathan Villar, and other base running greats. But, I mean, this hit tool, you have to get on base. He'd got on base enough to make those stolen bases worth it. Now, like I said, if Marcus Smith can get on base and actually use that speed like Armenteros is doing, now that's the perfect base runner. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. 
But that's it for the system, guys. I want to look back at all the guys in the system that we didn't talk about. So we had our 10 guys. Let's look at the others. My, my computer would work for it for me. At number seven, we've got another shortstop. So the third shortstop in their system in their top 10, uh, Logan Davidson. He was their first round pick in 2019. And then at 10, we have Jeff Criswell, pitcher. Uh, at 11, Sheldon Noose is an infielder. We've got Jonah Heim at catcher at 12. James Capriellen, a right-handed pitcher at 13. And a couple of outfielders in Luis Barrera and Austin Beck at 14 and 15. Then 17, Tyler Baum. He's another pitcher. Finally, rounding out the top 20, 19 is Austin Allen, the catcher, and Grant Holmes, the right-handed pitcher. But, Drake, Jake, like I always do, I want you to challenge the world here a little bit. Go outside the top 20. It's not the greatest depth in the system, but are there other guys outside the top 20 that are noteworthy that you just want to give a spotlight to? There's one guy that I'm actually particularly high on. His name is uh, Hogan Harris. He's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, drafted in 2018, he's a big-time curveball and a fastball that's normally low 90s, but can definitely uh, get up to 98, which is pretty nice in a lefty, and it fits really well with what they have in the top of their uh, system. So I think he could slide up the ranks pretty quickly here for the Athletics. I like Hogan Harris's strikeout rate uh, very much, and I also like his mustache very much. That man looks like he smokes a lot of hogs. That is an 80 grade uh, mustache. I will admit that. <laughs> uh, Jake, what about you? What about do you have any other guys that you want to give a spotlight to outside the top 20? Um, yeah, Jordan Diaz, third baseman. His defense is a little below average, the 45. He's definitely got some work to do there, but the bats kind of what you're buying there. He hasn't produced a whole ton like you would want early on, but I still have potential or still have faith that he'll uh, he'll show up next year when he gets another chance in the uh, in another in another minor league season. I think he'll show up well and kind of start moving up the ranks a little bit and possibly find him out in left field. Maybe, maybe stick at third base if his defense can improve a little bit, but excited to see him a little bit. And then um, just another one, Johan Paulino. He's just another, just average player across the board. Um, I think in this system, you'll probably start to see his name creep up a little bit as these guys kind of move up. And there's just a lot of guys in the system, quite honestly, that are in that 23 to 25 range that are, on the verge of just kind of falling out of prospect status and all that. It's just kind of, in my opinion, when you kind of get to that age and you haven't really shown a whole lot, guys with younger potential start getting more chances over you and you really got to show your, show your worth to your organization. So I start, I start getting worried for all these guys in the A's organization that are 24, 25, still trying to find their way into the major league roster or haven't even cracked it yet. So I think next year this list is going to be, quite different quite honestly so as you all i always try to make a habit of researching these guys as you talk about them because um, you guys don't tell me these names beforehand and i just found johan paulino and i looked at his numbers and i was very unimpressed jake uh six strikeouts per nine 10 walks per nine an era of six uh it's a johan paulino from 2002 that's not who i was talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's he played for Idaho Falls in 2002. This is a very different Johan Paulino. I will have to do more research later after the podcast to get a better understanding on your guy. But guys, that is it for the A's today. Like we always do, we want to keep these tight. And Drake, you did wonderful today on your second time or on your on your first time back from our personal episode together. Jake didn't hold you back. You did a good job, Drake. I appreciate you having. I appreciate having you on. 
Thank you for having me and let me spew my nonsense again. Hey, like I said last time, if you're spewing nonsense, what do you think I'm doing, bud? Uh, Jake. Listening to my nonsense. <laughs> Jake, Drake, as we sign off, please tell the world where they can find you and if there's anything that you want to plug. You can find me on Twitter as always, um, Jake Tillingass27, J T I L L I N G H A S T 27. Um, prospects Worldwide on Twitter, Prospects World W. Our website, of course, prospectsworldwide.com. Some of our writers will kind of cover the MLB debut, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter. We'll kind of take you through their MLB debut of their start or their at-bats and just kind of give you some videos, some analysis, all that. So we've got a ton of out there. There's been a ton of top-tier prospects that have debuted this year. So some pretty good uh, analysis out there. And, of course, all these other top ranks that are coming out. So you're going to get some pretty good analysis on the uh, all, all the prospects debuting this year to get yeah. – Two and up to three scouting pros and all of them. Yeah, I, I enjoy reading those first impressions. Those are those are really good. Also, a new article just came out on the uh, the how to throw a screwball. Some of these really niche articles that we're doing are awesome. Just really good job. You're doing a really good job on on the website, Jake. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, also, I I, I want to mention. I always say Drake. Uh, Drake, I appreciate having you on. Jake, I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever tell you. I appreciate having you on as well. Well. <laughs> Oh, that's the last time you're going to hear it. Drake, let's go. Where can people find you? And do you have anything to plug? As always, you can find me on Twitter at DrakeMan4, D-R-A-K-E-M-A-N-N-4. And uh, I'm currently doing the Twins ranks and Braves ranks. And I have a few more top 20 ranks that will be uh, coming rather soon. So look at or, uh, watch out for that. And also, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. I keep telling y'all to go do it. Go do it. We are providing fire content every day. It is fire content, Drake. It is truly fire content. And I have subscribed. I only have like two YouTube subscriptions, and that is one of them. So you took um, 50%, man. Uh, as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at Puma Revive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to our pod. We'll have a ton more of these episodes coming out. I think 18 more now at this point. Remember to give us a good review. And you can find this article for everyone we mentioned today over at prospectsworldwide.com, like Jake said. Please, if anyone has any questions about a team list that we haven't done yet, or if you just want to hear us banter about something, uh, just send a line over to at prospectsworldw on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions and requests, and I'll be happy to ask them next time. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.